sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, um, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I think it's morning. Actually, I just woke up. I apologize to those who were in the first service because I was still uh, uh, very much on Alaska time and my head was kind of literally swimming um, through that first service a little bit, but I think something uh, lucid came out, so that's good. I'm, I'm thankful for that at least. Um, so we just flew in from Alaska and uh, yeah, my, my arms are tired. And I know that's a, a super old joke, but um, it's not just my arms that are tired. It's, it's like my whole body's tired, you know. Uh, we worked hard. It was really a great week of ministry. There was a team of 11 of us that got sent out on your behalf to serve at Alaska Christian College, which is on the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Kenai Peninsula. It's my, my third trip. Um, and yeah, literally right now, it's like very early in the morning there. So that's kind of where I was like, well, I suddenly just woke up, right? Um, we would start the day at 6.30 with a coffee run. I'd put everybody in the van who wanted, to, who wanted to wake up that early, and we'd go out and find one of the local coffee shops. There were lots of little coffee huts and coffee shops and get some good coffee, come back to campus uh, for 7 o'clock devotionals together, and then 7.30 breakfast, which got us to the 8 o'clock time to go to work. 8 o'clock work all the way till straight noon when the lunch bell would ring. We had a great lunch together, and then we'd hear a testimony from one of the Alaska students that they're the ambassadors there for the summer, which is always so great to hear what God is doing there. It's really, truly amazing. But then back to work for the afternoon, and then, uh, you know, they said we only had to work like sun up to sundown, so it wasn't that bad. Uh, the sun did rise at 4.30-ish in the morning and set around 11.30, um, so in the evenings, though, after the dinner uh, hour, we would head off and do some kind of a local excursion, uh, which usually involved breathtaking drives. Now, if, you're, if you uh, ever come with me on a trip, I, and this is my third trip to Alaska, second time I've led a summer uh, sowers tour here from, uh, from here. Um, I probably frustrated some of the team. I know they're here this morning, uh, some of them, because I didn't give them all the details. I gave them the schedule, like that's basically what the day is going to be like, but I didn't want to give them too much detail because I wanted them to experience it fresh. So many people are like, well, tell me more. Tell me what it's like. You'll just see when you get there, right? So one of the best parts of it is we land in Anchorage, and then we get on the shuttle bus that they provide for us, and you know, I, I get to drive, and so that, I love that. I love a good drive, and there's not a better drive I've ever taken then, and I've driven in some really profound places, uh, then Highway 1 coming out of Anchorage, it, it goes right along the water of the Cook Inlet, and it's just this gorgeous three-hour drive that is just breathtaking, and it was so fun as we pulled out of Anchorage, because Anchorage is kind of like, eh, there's good pizza there, surprisingly, um, but we pulled out of Anchorage, and it was just this, I, I could hear him in the back, like, ah, oh, Oh, ah, you know, and they're snapping pictures and stuff. And I love it because it's like, this is only like the first like half hour, hour of the drive. And I'm like, but I know there's so much more. And it's just so fun to see them just gasping uh, as we drive out. And I just wanted them to experience that, you know. Um, and like I said, I love a good drive. This was not a picture that I took uh, because I'm driving, you know, and I don't want to be snapping pics while I'm driving. But, and I, I could take pictures, you know, constantly while I'm driving. I'm just kind of snapping them in my, my head as I'm going along. 
Um, but it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous strip of highway that goes along the Kenai Peninsula. You know, I'm thankful, as I was thinking about it, it's probably been there for a while. I mean, not too terribly long. Alaska's not, a, you know, super, hasn't been a state for that long. Um, but at some point, they put guardrails up along the highway, which is great, because sometimes you're really, like, close to the water, and then there's a train track that goes along the side of the water with this historic Alaska train that goes running through with tourists on it. It's so fun. You know, and then there's mountains everywhere and water spots and waterfalls. And it's just gorgeous, right? But these guardrails help because it defines the highway, which is like two lanes. Every once in a while, it might open to a third lane to allow you to pass or be passed. Um, and then it's so smooth. You know, it's not like Illinois, you know, where you're, you're, you're doing this as you go down just, just the main roads, right? Um, there, the highway is just butter smooth. It's so nice. And it's like it rises and kind of crests along with the, with the nature. It's just wonderful, but beautiful, beautiful drive. And, again, as the, the rest of the team's kind of ooing and eyeing, I know there's chapters to it. You know, there's the, the mountains and the snow and the water, and then suddenly we go into the valley, and then it's just like more mountains, but then these grassy, like, fields, and then we come back out, and now we're in a piney wood forest. And it's just gorgeous. Like, the drive itself has these like, natural chapters to it, which is just gorgeous. It really is a really beautiful, beautiful drive. Um, and it's just so filled with this inspiring beauty. Now, what was interesting is our team, you know, before we left, we had, had taken, you know, our, our discipleship class. We did our canopy course together. So we kind of knew each other. But we really didn't know each other that well. Um, but through the oohs and the ahs and the no way, uh, you could tell we were starting to really, you know, connect. And then we stopped at this little roadside spot. And, you know, again, we had probably been in Alaska now for like an hour and a half at this point. You know, had a good cup of coffee at this mountainside, you know, resort. And then we stopped at this breathtaking vista, which I knew we were going to stop at. Because it's just gorgeous, but I didn't tell them about it. It's just gorgeous, right? And you can see already in this picture that we're already becoming friends, you know. And we'd only been there for like an hour and a half. And we had, you know, a whole week ahead of us, which, which we really grew in friendship, not only with each other and, of course, with the Lord, but with the other teams that were gathered there, with the student ambassadors and the staff at ACC. And it was really, really just wonderful. I don't want to share too much because the rest of the team is going to share more next week when they're awake, okay? But I just wanted to say that this highway, this Highway 1 um, that goes along the path there, it's such a beautiful visual of the way of wisdom, See, it's coming back to the Word now. It's a, it's a beautiful example of the way of wisdom leading to the good life that God has for us. You know, with these beautiful vistas and these wonderful opportunities for fellowship and service together. Um, but I have to say, just like, you know, maybe some of you or many of you have never had the opportunity to drive Highway 1, you know, along uh, the Kenai Peninsula there, it, the, the way of wisdom that leads to the good life of God is probably like a road that many of us won't ever travel. And maybe we don't always meet people who are genuinely walking the way of, of God's wisdom and purpose for their lives and then find themselves in a more permanent space of that kind of joy and that kind of blessing. So that, that takes me back for a moment um, to the text, okay? So if you didn't catch it in Proverbs, which I don't know if you, like me, have been really enjoying uh, meditating on Proverbs this month. I mean, these ancient, ancient words that just speak so fresh to us today are just, to me, so in, in, inspiring. Um, but I want to look back at this chapter 3 and this, this section of teaching uh, that we're given from verses 1 through 8. Um, and I want you to notice there's sort of a pattern here, uh, a pattern that's repeated over these, these uh, eight verses. And it begins with a sense of inspiration or like instruction, okay? He'll give like a command, okay? 
And then, uh, and, it, and it's a good command, like it's something good, even if it's like a, in, phrased in a don't or a do, right? And then there's a more practical uh, illustration of it that amplifies how do we, you know, live into that inspiration. So there's inspiration or kind of instruction followed by the sense of practice, like how do we do it? And then there's the sense of promises and these series of promises that we're given. So let me review these, these verses with you real quick, um, and you can see how this plays out. Oh, I'm going to use that color code, too. You see there's like red for inspiration, blue for the practical, and then uh, green for the promise. Um, I guess I should have read white and blue, but sorry. Okay. Um, so in the first text here, verses 1 through 2, there's this instruction. My child, he says, uh, don't forget my teaching, my Torah is it in the original language, which is kind of the, the way that we live out God's ways. The, the Torah would be like, how do we live righteously uh, before God? And so he's saying, you know, the instruction here, right off the top, you just got, you know, kind of got one pop of it, would be like, don't forget to, to keep to my teaching, to the way that God wants us to live. Don't forget that. That's the instruction or the inspiration. The, the practical way we do that is by keeping um, his commandments, by keeping his commandments, by holding on to what God says as our law and keeping those in our hearts, like not like, oh, I guess I'll do whatever God tells me to do, but really letting that be the, the passion. I want to do what God wants me to do, and I want to not do the things that God wants me to do. I want to live for God, live by his teaching, and I want to keep his commandments, you know, in my, in my heart. And then you see what the blessing is? The length of days and years of life and like this abundant welfare it'll give you, length of days. And that's a really great one to, to think about while you're in Alaska and the sun really <laughs> never sets. I mean, we would go to bed, you know, like 10, 10.30, you know, just exhausted. And of course, it's super bright out, you know. And then it was only like if I woke up around 1.30 in the morning, was it kind of dark, you know, in the room. And then, you know, uh, about 4.30 in the morning, if I woke up again, you'd start to see the light coming into the window and, you know, when I woke up at like 6 to try to get ready, for, you know, so I could drive everybody out for coffee, I mean, it was, there was bright sun in the window. It's a long day, <laughs> but, but it wasn't bad. It's not bad. Like, it's actually a really great, and, and I think that's what it is. It's kind of like those long days of summer that you're probably enjoying, too, where you're like, I just don't want this day to ever end. You ever have that? A day where you're like, this is such a great day. I don't want this day to ever end, and I think that's a good way to think about that promise, length of days, where it's like, oh, this is so great. I don't want this day to ever end, you know? And there's a health, there's a sense of vitality to life and an abundant welfare. That's what God promises us when we keep to his teachings, his ways, his ways and his boundaries. Um, then, then there's the next one, which is the don't let loyalty or faithfulness, which is the loyalty part is like his love covenant for us, which is like his has said, his gracious love is really what that means. And then faithfulness would be like his covenant. So you can compress those two ideas because they're not too separate. They're like one idea. Don't let God's like covenant love, covenant, you know, covenant has said, uh, forget you. Like, wait, well, how would we let God's covenant love forget us, you know? And it's because a relationship requires participation, you know? I'm in a love covenant with my wife and my kids and friends, you know, and some of you, all of you. But that takes uh, connection. Like, I have to nurture that. We have to work on that, right? You can't have a relationship with somebody you're not working on it with. So he's saying, don't forget that God loves you and that he has a faithful love for you and nurture into that relationship. Like, keep that active. That's the instruction or the inspiration. Well, how do we do that practically? He's like, well, bind God's word, that sense of his love and covenant around your neck. 
You know, how many of you have a, a, maybe a precious uh, necklace, you know, that you wear, something special, you know, that maybe somebody gave you? That could be an example of that. Like you're, you're keeping it around your neck, you're keeping it in your most precious place, this idea that God loves you and it's a nurturing relationship that you also get to be a part of. Write it, he says, even on the tablet of your heart. Keep it as your first passion. That's practically how we do that. Well, what happens if we do? What's the blessing? Well, then we're going to find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and in the sight of others. You're going to find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and the sight of others. In other words, people are going to like you. Why? Well, because you're filled with God's love. You ever meet someone that's genuinely filled with God's love? You're like, well, I want to be around more around that person. You know, I met quite a few this week. And you're like, I, just, I want to be around that person. There's something joyful about them. There's something very fulfilling about them. I got a good friend up there that I don't see often. And when I do, it's just like, oh, I just want to be around him more. You know, I just enjoy the time that I'm with him. It's very natural because it's like he's so filled, you know, with God's love. And so that's what he's saying. You have good favor and good reputation in the sight of God and in the sight of other people. They'll want to be around you, you know, um, because there's a, there's a joy. Next passage again, we'll look at the instruction here, uh, the inspiration. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and uh, don't lean on your own understanding. That's the instruction. Now, trusting again is active. Trusting, you have to, you have to move forward on trust, right? Uh, I have to trust that, you know, the next step I take is, is going to sustain me. Or if you've ever been, you know, uh, like in a path or like a rickety rope bridge or something where you're like, oh, I don't know if that's going to hold me. You, at some point, you have to trust the bridge is going to hold you by taking a step forward. So trust is like leaning into something, okay? Trust the Lord with all your heart. That's active. We have to choose that. It says, do not lean or fall back on your own understanding, like what makes sense to you, which how many of us do that? All of us. We all fall back or lean or naturally recline onto what makes sense to us. That's default. That's why it's like lean, don't lean on your own understanding. You know, how many of you are standing somewhere, you just have a natural sense of like leaning? Yeah. I mean, because we do that because we naturally just lean on what makes sense to us. But sometimes what God has for you truly is not maybe what makes sense to you. It's trusting, active, saying, Lord, what do you have for me? And trusting with all your heart, all your passions, which is active as opposed to default on your own understanding. Well, how do we do that? Practically, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. In all of your ways, seek his will. Ask for his blessing. Again, I'm, I'm going to wait for the team next week to maybe share some of their uh, uh, blessings. But I'll tell you, the, the number of times that God answered our prayers in very specific ways this week was really bizarre and wonderful. And one at the end was on the drive back. Uh, we started the journey at 5.30 in the morning um, back to Anchorage. And it was just as breathtaking in the morning as it was in the evening when we were coming out the first time. But we had one problem. We were finishing our trip. And uh, we had one thing that we had not checked off the list. And I knew if it didn't happen, it would be one of those things like, oh, we had such a great time in Alaska. We saw a moose. We did a lot of great work, but we didn't see a bear. Everyone wanted to see a bear. And we never saw a bear. We went on hikes. We went on long drives. We went to you know, various places in the, in the peninsula, but we never saw a bear. So everyone's kind of half dozing out in the back as I'm driving along. And I was like, Lord, would you please just show us the bear? I mean, it'd be... Because, you know, I just feel like otherwise it would be like, well, we never saw a bear. And then about 15, 20 minutes up the road, I'm not kidding, we were going by the strip of, of, of you know, river. It was kind of moving fast. 
and there was the bear splashing around in the water. This, this, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I just know it was a bear. I don't even remember what color it was. It might have been black, brown. I don't know. I just went, bear, bear. And everyone like popped up and they're like, where, where? Bear, bear, bear. I, I, they didn't even get a picture of it because we were, you know, I tried to slow down as quick, but we had a trailer and other stuff and it's, you know, it is a highway. Um, and, but we got the bear and I was like, oh God, thank you so much for showing us the bear. In all of your ways, see, it was okay to say, God, can you show us the bear, please? In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And then what's going to happen? He'll make your path straight. That's the promise. He'll make your path straight. Things will just work out for the good. Things will just work out for the good. Last one is the instruction. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. It seems parallel to this idea of leaning on your own understanding, what makes sense to you. So many of us live on that. What just makes sense to me is, and then you set your life direction. We make big decisions, don't we, on what makes sense to us. But this one is saying, don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't just be smart in your own sense. Instead, this is the way the, the, um, the way the practice of it, fear the Lord. There it is again. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Practically, how we live out of the instruction of not being wise in our own eyes is to fear the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, oh, wow. It doesn't necessarily mean, like, I'm scared of you, God. But what it does mean is I have awe, reverence, respect, and desire to please you above all else. You know, how many of you maybe grew up with, with a parent that you feared in terms of, like, I just want to please them. I want to live so that I can please them and make them proud of me. That, that's, that can be good and that can not be good. But for God, it's good because he's good, right? He's, he's a good father. And so to fear the Lord is like, Lord, I desire most of all to live in a way that pleases you most because you're a good God and a just God. And so that's what it means. Not be wise in your eyes, but instead desire to please the Lord most. Turn away from evil. Don't try to harbor that alongside with you. What is the promise of that? It'll be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There'll be a general sense of like wellness about you when we desire to fear the Lord, when we don't respect or keep harbor with evil, evil, and instead we're um, not wise in our own eyes. So over the week while we're, we're working hard, um, doing various jobs around the campus and, and helping move the ministry of Alaska Christian College forward, I was pondering on these promises you know, and again, I'm kind of summarizing them here a bit. It's, it's kind of like you're living the best day ever, you know, but it's always. It's like, man, the best life ever. I'm just having such a good time or enjoying, but in a spiritual joy, like life. And then having good reputation with God, like you, you're in good rapport. You have a good sense of your relationship with God that is flowing over with others, where they, they sense that about you too, and you're a person of good respect and good reputation, in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community. And that sense that things generally work out for good. Even those things that work out differently than you think, they work out for the good, where you're maybe always having a sense of testimony because God is, is working, like, show me the bear, please. And there's a sense of strength and endurance um, you know, I, I know some people, and, and uh, you know, it's like, and I can struggle with this too, where you just feel tired a lot. People have asked me how many times this morning, are you tired? Are you tired? I'm like, I'm really not. Like, it was hard, hard work and very little sleep, especially last night. But 
if you can tell, I mean, I really have a sense of strength right now. It'll probably crash later, right? But there's a sense of strength and endurance. And like, you know, even some of our team were like, we could have kept going. It was just such great work, you know, because it's so fulfilling. But I was looking at this list of promises and I was wondering, do you think you can only find these in God? Do you think you can only find these walking the way of wisdom, leading to the good life? Or do you think you can have those things outside of him? Can you buy much of that? The answer might surprise you. I think you can. I think a lot of people do. I think you can buy some version of those or maybe even some sense of all of it if you have the means and live a perfectly joyful and full life. And I had the same looks this morning in first service that I have right now. It's like, what do you mean? I thought only God is good. No, he is good. I'm saying you can have a version of that that a lot of people ascribe to. You can even compress that and say that might even feel like the American dream to live like that and to have all that. Minus the part about a good reputation with God. You might even be liked by other people. We can, we can acquire those things. You see, the way of folly and the way of wisdom actually don't look much different. Folly, which is the antecedent in the book of Proverbs, is a really good fake of the way of wisdom leading to the good life. But it's, that's the problem. It's fake. It's not eternal. It doesn't have substance to it. I was reading a book um, over the time, a little bit called Counterfeit Gods, and it was talking about this idea that we can have that, but really what that is, that's idolatry. And what is idolatry? Idolatry comes when we, and this is kind of a quote, dethrone God, take God off the throne, and enthrone creation in his place. When we want that more than we would fear the Lord. We want the good life, but we don't necessarily think we need the God with it or over it. When we start to put creation in the place where God is. We might even still sometimes try to bring God into that pursuit. Like, I want the good life, and I want God to bless me with that good life, but we'll take every attempt to reduce or limit his control in our lives by refusing his authority or even manipulating his power to get us or give us that good life. And we'll try to have him serve our interests, Lord, give me all that, instead of living to serve him, which results in all that. So we can pursue the good life, and we might even obtain it. We might even be able to buy it, but it's not real, and it's not eternal. As we've learned in the last couple of weeks, we've been here with this series, the way of folly is also the way of death. But the way of wisdom that leads to the good life is eternal. So here's the problem. How many of us have ever really met someone that's genuinely living in that way of wisdom that's leading to the good life, like all of that with, with the Lord? How many of us really may, maybe know someone that's, that's, that's living that way? That's good if you do. I, I met a friend and several this week that are really doing that, and this testimony really stuck out to me. Dan and Terry, Dan uh, and I took a drive uh, a couple times this last week, and he gave me permission to share a bit of his story, which is great. They had it all. Um, he served his, his community as a first responder um, in Southern California as a fireman. He was promoted many times, you know, married his sweetheart. Obviously, you should look at him with, with, with sweet eyes. Uh, and they had the right life. They had the perfect house, they said. It was in the right neighborhood. It was a great location. He had a wood shop that he loved to use. He had a, a, a tool barn. 
He had a place that he could work on classic cars on. He, he loves to ride bikes, and he had all that. They had a pool. They had great kids. Their kids got great educations. They married well. They started to have their own kids. And guess what? They stayed around in the community. So now they have their kids living nearby, doing well with the grandkids. We got a pool. We got the house. We got it great. It's great. Now that feels like the American dream, right? Now, he's a believer, has always been that. His church was doing mission trips, and they started going up to Alaska Christian College once a you know, summer, and he would spend the week there, and he obviously is very handy, so he's very helpful when he was there. But then a week started turning into more. He was doing some other trips to Mexico, but he found that he just couldn't find himself separating his heart from what was going on with those students at Alaska Christian College. So one week became two weeks, became multiple weeks, became like, hey, can you come up for a month and help manage a big project? Yes, so he went up for a month. Then he went up for a couple of months to manage even to help run the whole summer teams program. And he said, and I just then started to feel the sense of call to go serve there like full out, to which he told his wife. And she said to him so lovingly, are you nuts? (laughs) We have it all. Brought her up and just let her experience it and let her pray. And in the most profound way, short story, she also began to sense a call up there, but he said, more importantly, like things just really fell into place. And he's like, so we sold the house, everything. And they moved up there, and now he works full-time for Alaska Christian College for a, an extraordinary uh, salary of, of nothing, of absolutely nothing. And he's like, and we're so great. And we've never had a better relationship with our grandkids. We don't see them every day like we used to. We've never had a better relationship with them. And his kids and his, and his grandkids said, we see something so different about you that you're here and you're serving full-time God's purposes and God's will. And with tears in his eyes, he's talking about how his wife really has no title. She's just kind of the mom on campus. And she just mothers all the Alaska students. And she loves them. And I, I love Dan um, in many ways. He's just that guy. I want to be around him, right? He's just solid on the truth. As I said, that's kind of like the, the borders or the boundaries or the, 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 the guide, the guardrails. He's so solid on the truth. I mean, these are students that come from really hard backgrounds, sometimes no running water, very little education. And he knows the biggest thing they need is Jesus. And he's so lovingly ministering about that. Now, we come from a land, lower 48, you know, our water runs pretty predictably. Most of our kids will head off to, you know, a higher education. Guess what? The need is still the same. Still need Jesus. That's the fundamental need. He's, he's solid on that truth. Um, he's definitely a man of fellowship with the Lord and good favor. I went to a, a store with him and I was just so impressed how everyone in the store just celebrated when Dan walked in and he knew all their stories and was very careful as he spoke to each one of them. You could tell they were loved by him. And they, they really enjoy a good reputation in that community, which is great. Um, he was active in trust and was, you know, again, more details that I can give you. But just the way things have worked out from housing, new place to live, and uh, projects that he's done, and, and the students and his love for the students and how just things just seem to work out really well for him there in a, in a different kind of way than you would think in his, in his previous life. He's like, things just really work out a lot, which is really great. And he's strong. He's strong in his body. And his mind, and he's he's there full time serving to help replace uh, Mr. Harvey, who is uh, much older, um, and has has been doing the same thing for years, working there basically for no salary. And uh, Harvey is same, like he's much older, but he's still strong in his heart and his body. And it's like they're just vibrant in their work, and they work all year round for for nothing. 
And like I said, we don't always meet people that live fully on the way, that way of wisdom that leads to the good life. But we should. And, and we can begin that journey, just like getting in the van and, hey, let's head up the highway together. And it really begins with that fear of the Lord. I mean, that's the beginning, the desire to please God first. And maybe you're here and you're, you're making big life decisions or, or maybe life decisions with your kids, where they're going to go, what's next for them or what's next for you. Or It really begins with, first of all, saying, Lord, I want to please you most. Where can I go that I can serve you and please you most? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the beginning of that journey of wisdom. And next, it's learning to travel well with others, just to be set on the covenant love that God has and nurturing that relationship with him and loving the fellowship of others who are also on that journey. That's another way we live on the way of wisdom. And then it's fully trusting in God's promises, accepting no substitutes. Uh, it may look like it, but it's not. Saying, Lord, I really want your goodness. I want your gifts. I want your blessings more than I want anything else that the world offers. So as we come to communion, just like we did on our drive on the highway, it's, it's good to stop for a snack, to have our hearts refreshed. And so we're going to go to communion, and I pray that this morning it would be a time of refreshment for your soul as we begin considering each of us. And again, I think somebody's maybe here today who's really got some life decisions they're making, and I'd love to help, and any of the pastors would love to help pray for you about that, but just how can we all begin living more fully on the way of wisdom that leads to the good life? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for friends like Dan and others who are just uh, good examples, humble examples of that. And Lord, may there be new stories of that coming.